If you would, please open your Bibles with me once again to the book of Romans. This evening, the Lord enabling, the Lord willing, we'll be looking there at verse 7 down through to verse 15, there in the 11th chapter of the book of Romans. Now, all through our study of the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul has been declaring in plain, bold, unmistakable terms how that salvation is of the Lord. Indeed, from election to glorification and everything in between, salvation is all of God's grace alone through faith in His beloved, well-pleasing Son, Christ Jesus the Lord. You see, that salvation that is to the uttermost is found only in the Lord Jesus Christ. I trust many of you will remember the blessed verse we saw in Romans chapter 3, where God's word sets forth there in verse 24, Beloved, we're being justified freely by God's grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus the Lord. As we learn in chapter 9, Beloved, our salvation is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Now, this is the message, indeed, the whole testimony of God's own word, how that the gospel declaration of the Lord Jesus Christ is that salvation is of the Lord, that full and free salvation accomplished by him and him alone. You see, our salvation is not by what he has done and what we have done or will do. It's not what he has done plus what we do. That's not the gospel. Rather, beloved, our being saved is by the Lord Jesus Christ alone. He said, it is finished. It's true, beloved. Our salvation is accomplished. He declares in glory, it is done. That glorious salvation of his people accomplished completely from beginning to eternity and all to the glory of God. And all of this, beloved, D-O-N-E, done by Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now look at the question that is asked here in verse 7. Romans 11, verse 7. The apostle writing, indeed God's word declares here, what then? What then? What's the right conclusion? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for. You see, they sought salvation by the deeds of the law. Now, they didn't ever obtain salvation by the deeds of the law, did they? I mean, did God ever justify a sinner by the deeds of the law? Well, not according to his word. But the election hath obtained it. But the election hath obtained it. And we know from reading what it says there in verse 5, how that there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And so God's election hath obtained salvation, and the rest were blinded. The rest were hardened in their sin. The rest were left to die in their sin of unbelief. And so what then? What's the right conclusion? God be true and every man a liar. What's the right conclusion? What then? Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Beloved, whatever God does is right. Israel, that nation of people, never at any time accomplished salvation for the works of the law by their deeds, by their ceremonies of the law. Not one time ever was anyone ever justified by the deeds of the flesh. 
Remember what it says in Romans chapter 9 over there in verse 30 and 31? What shall we say then? That the Gentiles which follow not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith, the righteousness of Christ. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, where they stumbled at that stumbling stone. And we know that's the rock of offense, the rock of ages, the Lord Jesus Christ. The election of grace hath obtained it for those Jews who were chosen unto salvation, but never did they obtain salvation by their deeds. Indeed, no sinner at any time has ever been saved by what they have done. No sinner has ever obtained salvation based upon something that they have done. But it says here, election hath obtained it for God's people among the Jews. But the rest were hardened, blinded in their sin, hardened in their sin, and left to their own wicked will, which for the natural man is always away from God. Look at Romans 11, verse 8. According as it is written in Isaiah 29, verse 10, and Isaiah 6, verse 9, According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear. And just as it was true in Paul's day, so it is true unto this day. All their blindness of heart and wicked unbelief is according to the will, decree, and eternal purpose of God unto this day. Remember, beloved, he works all things after the counsel of his own perfect, purposed will. Now, I want you to read these two scriptures that Paul is referring to. Uh, Isaiah, if you would, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 29, verse 10. God's word declares there. And I'll, I'll, I mean, we're picking up there in verse 10. Again, Isaiah chapter 29, verse 10. For the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep and hath closed your eyes. The prophets and your rulers, the seers, hath he covered. Our Lord declares, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. My friend, if by God's grace you're following him, you're in the light. But if you don't follow him, your eyes are indeed closed and you do indeed walk in darkness. And then there's another portion that the apostle quotes from, and this is from Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 9. Isaiah 6 verse 9. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they, they see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, 
and convert and be healed. You see, God has sent them hardness of heart. Remember, he said, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will hardeneth whom I will. Now, the apostle also refers to another portion of God's word in Romans 11, verse 9. He writes there in Romans 11, verse 9, And David saith in Psalm 69, verse 22, Let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Again, this is Romans 11, verse 9. David saith, Let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. And verse 10, Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back always. Again, that quotation comes from Psalm 69, verse 22. And bear in mind, Psalm 69 is one of the Psalms of the cross, along with the 22nd Psalm. Now, if you would, turn back to that portion of the book of the Psalms, Psalm 69. I want you to show you something here that precedes the Apostles' reference. Psalm 69, and let's begin reading at verse 20. Again, bear in mind, this is a psalm of the cross. Verse 20. Reproach hath broken my heart. Now, this is the Lord speaking of Christ crucified. And I'm full of heaviness. And I looked for some to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. They gave me also gale for my meat, gall for my meat. And in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Now this is prophesying what would happen to Christ. Verse 22. Let their table become a snare before them, and that which should have been for their welfare, let it become a trap. Let their eyes be darkened, that they see not, and make their loins continually to shake. Pour out thine indignation upon them, and let thy wrathful anger take hold of them. Let their habitation be desolate and let none dwell in their tents. Now this is the Lord praying against those people, against those reprobates in that day. And the apostle continues writing there in Romans chapter 11, verse 11. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? In effect, Paul is asking the question, Will God not show mercy to some of his people among those Jewish people? Have they stumbled that they should fall never to be saved? God forbid. But rather through their fall, salvation has come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. You see, God even uses the wickedness of men to further his own purpose. The Jewish nation as a whole stumbled and are fallen from seeking salvation by the grace of God in Christ. There's a veil over their eyes, even to this day, but not forever. They're not beyond the powerful reach of the grace of God to save some of them. Among those people, by their fall, by the sovereign will of God that was purposed and used of God to the furtherance of the gospel being sent to the Gentiles to provoke or stir them up to see that salvation is in Christ. Remember back in chapter 10, verse 19? 
apostle writes there, But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. You see, God got their attention by showing mercy to Gentile sinners, and it provoked them to jealousy. And we have an example of that in Acts chapter 13. Remember, Paul came to that city preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And those Jews at first, when they saw the Gentiles embracing salvation in Christ, you see, the Gentiles wanted to hear more of that message and receive the message of salvation by grace. Remember how the Jews started speaking against those things? And Paul said, it was necessary that the word of God first be preached to you. But seeing that you put it from yourselves, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. And when they heard that, as many as were ordained to eternal life believed the gospel. And you can read that in Acts chapter 13, starting there in verse 44 through to verse 48. And now I want you to look at verse 12, Romans chapter 11, verse 12. Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world... And indeed, by the fall of them, we see the riches of God's grace magnified, do we not? We even see that in the fall of Adam. Well, in the fall of Adam, what do we see? We see the Lord showing mercy richly unto a multitude of sinners. He's chosen unto salvation. To those he's chosen among Adam's helpless fallen race. And so if the fall of them be riches of the world, the riches of his grace and the diminishing or decay or loss of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness be. You see what the apostle is saying? Through the stumbling, the sin and failure of the Jews to receive Christ, God sovereignly uses their rejection of him to bring the blessings of the Lord's riches of his grace and gospel to the Gentiles, to a Gentile like you in the pew and this Gentile behind this pulpit. You see, through the preaching of the gospel, the Gentiles were blessed by the preaching of the word made flesh. Just think what a great blessing it would be, beloved, and how much more if it pleased the Lord in the fullness of time of bringing the elect of God among all the Jews be brought in at one time to the full extent of God's mercy. Beloved, just ponder it. How that would be, how that would be a great, great blessing. Remember the Lord used Twelve Jewish men, and I'm including Paul, not, not Judas. God used twelve sinful Jewish men, saved by God's grace, to turn the world upside down. And so what if you brought in 12,000 more and used them mightily, just like the Apostle Paul? Oh, what a rich blessing that would be to this wicked world, would it not? Remember in Acts chapter 17, talking of those apostles. They said, these are the men who have turned the world upside down. And now they've come to our city. Beloved, wouldn't it be glorious of the Lord and his mercy? And one day it's going to happen. God's going to save the fullness of his elect among the Jews. And when that day happens, now I don't know when it will happen, but beloved, one day it will happen and it will be a blessing to so many people. Look at verse 13. For I speak to you Gentiles. I speak to you who are not Jews. Inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. I honor my office. 
Remember, Paul said, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. You see, at one time he hated the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. At one time he went out of his way and not just satisfied to punish and persecute those Christian believers in Jerusalem. Further to that, he obtained special permission to go all the way up to Damascus, up into Lebanon, to find those who were calling on the name of Christ and committing them to prison, and eventually even unto death. But Paul points to himself as an example of what he's talking about. For he himself was a Christ-hating Jew, who now, by the grace of God, was made an ardent lover and believer of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and a preacher of his gospel. Remember in Ephesians chapter 3, he writes, Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now you think how the Lord used that one man and how he traveled all around in the known world of the day, even all the way to Rome and all the way through Asia Minor, down through Judea and all through that area. This one man preached the gospel to many people, and to this day we are still receiving the blessing from how our Lord used this man greatly in the ministry. He writes, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. <laughs> what a man mightily used of God. Now just think of it, beloved. If the Lord raised up hundreds more like Paul, or a thousand more like Paul, what blessing it would be to this fallen world in our day, in our time. Paul was a preacher of the gospel. He said, I'm determined to know nothing among you but Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, we preach not ourselves, but the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, may God be pleased to raise up some men in our day and send them forth with the message of the glorious gospel of Christ. What a blessing it would be to God's elect among the Jews and the Gentiles of our generation. Now look at verse 14. Romans, Romans 11, verse 14. The apostle continues there. If by any means, and God most certainly has ordained the means to arrive at that blessed end, behold, I and the children which God hath given me, if by any means... I may provoke to emulation, to rivalry, them which are my flesh, and might save some of them. Remember the apostle words in Romans 9 and Romans 10? Paul fervently prayed for his kinsmen according to the flesh. He said, I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. For my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Now, most of the time I use the King James translation, but another English translation that I find helpful is Young's literal translation. If you're interested in a copy, I'd be happy to send you a link to it online or even a module for your smartphone. Uh, Young's literal translation renders verse 14 if by any means I shall arouse to jealousy mine own flesh, my kinsmen, and by God's grace shall save some of them, having some of them come to the knowledge of Christ by the means God has ordained. 
Beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ is the Lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. And in the fullness of time, God sent forth his beloved, well-pleasing Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to accomplish in time what he purposed in eternity. You see, the means that God has used is not only the blood and righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, signified, accepted by his glorious resurrection, but further to that, God uses the means he has ordained, and that's the preaching of the righteousness, redemption, and resurrection of Christ to call out his elect. I mean, how do you know anything about the gospel? Did you just dream it up one night? Did you have some special vision one moonlight night, one moonlit evening? I mean, how did any of us find out anything about the gospel of Christ? Beloved, God sent forth a gospel preacher. Indeed, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Lord. And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? You see, God has predestinated the means, and God has predestinated the end. Now, I know people want to argue about that and say, well, if God's elected a people and Christ died for those people and God the Holy Ghost is going to regenerate those people, well, then we can just close up all the church doors and just go home since God's already got it all done. Well, my friend, yes, he has got it all done, but he's also ordained the means to call out his people. You see, it pleased God for the preaching of the gospel to call out these people. And that's why we make much of the means when we meet together, beloved. Beloved, we're not here for the entertainment of the flesh. We're not here to entertain children. Indeed, children have enough entertainment and distraction as it is, do they not? Even we adults have too much entertainment as it stands. Rather, beloved, we meet here together. Every time we meet, we take the word of the Lord and we teach, Thus saith the Lord precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. And my friend, I pray you receive it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh in you that believe. You see, God has promised to bless his word. And he said, I'll send it and it will prosper wherever I send it. It will not return to me void. Beloved of his own will, begat he us with the word of truth. You see, true faith is born of right knowledge. True faith is born of the true gospel. True faith doesn't come from listening to the lies of men. My friend, you'll never arrive at the truth by listening to lies. That's like trying to drive from New Caney, Texas to Calgary, Alberta, and listening to someone tell you the first thing you need to do is head south. Well, my friend, you'll never get to Calgary, Alberta, going south unless I can drive my car straight through Mexico, through Antarctica, until I come all the way around on the other side. And that has never happened. You see, you'll never arrive at the truth through lies. Remember that scripture where the apostle John writes, No lie is of the truth. You see, the truth is the truth. And while lies... Our lies. And so that's why we make much of the preaching of the true gospel of the true sovereign God. Now, while there's no such thing as a perfect church, 
There is, however, such a thing as a perfect gospel. That's the true gospel of God, the gospel of Christ, indeed the faith of Christ. My friend, if you spend any amount of time with us, you'll discover that we're an imperfect church with an imperfect pastor. And yet, by God's grace, we preach and believe the perfect gospel, the true gospel of God's sovereign grace in Christ. Now, one more verse. Verse 15. For if the casting away of them, and that's referring to the reprobate among the Jews, just as there is a reprobate amongst the Gentiles, if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, and God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? Beloved, that's what salvation is, is it not? Life from the dead. He's raised up his people from the dead. And that's what the apostle is saying. Consider this. If the casting away of the Jews, and that's the stumbling and rejection of Jesus Christ by the Jews. You see, for the most part, they set away with him. Crucify him. We have no king but Caesar. And so if that rejection of the reprobate Jews brought the means of the gospel of reconciliation to his elect among the Gentile world, what would their salvation be but life from the dead? Is that not what salvation is, beloved? How God raised his sinful people from the dead, and not just an outward reformation, but regeneration. Indeed, dead men brought to life in Christ. You see, he that hath the Son hath life. Remember John 17, verse 2, where the Lord describes what eternal life is? What a great privilege we have that we may listen to the Son praying to the Father, almost as if the Son of God is speaking of himself as the Son of Man, saying, Father, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. For as the Father raiseth up the dead, and quickeneth them, even so the Son, the son quickeneth, quickeneth whom he will. And so, beloved, if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? Now, if you would, turn with me to Second Corinthians Chapter 5. Here, the Apostle Paul mentions this reconciliation we have in Christ. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5. And I'll begin reading there in verse 18. And all things are of God. We ought to park there a while, beloved. All things are of God. Creation, salvation, providence, all things are of God. Brother David Pledger included this quote from Ralph Barnard in their bulletin this past week. Quote, Don't complain and find fault with second causes. Don't complain 
and find fault with second causes. Disremember our sovereign God is the first cause of all things, because all things are of God. Again, verse 18. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. What is this ministry of reconciliation? What does it involve? Verse 19. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, this word of reconciliation is that peace has been made through the through, made with God through the blood atonement of Christ. Verse twenty. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled in Christ. Be ye reconciled to God in Christ. And so, lay down your weapons. Lay down your arms, lay down your enmity. For our Heavenly Father hath made His beloved, well-pleasing Son, the spotless Lamb of God, and this is verse 21, Our Heavenly Father hath made His beloved, well-pleasing Son, the spotless Lamb of God, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, and did no sin, and had no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. What a blessed verse. Blessed is that man to whom the Lord imputeth righteousness without works. Remember our Lord declaring in John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Indeed, as the Apostle writes in Romans chapter 11, verse 11, Salvation is come unto the world. Salvation is come unto the Gentiles. Amen.